stand tonight and take our Bibles and turn to Revelation chapter 2. Revelation chapter 2 tonight. I appreciate all the good singing and uh, appreciate the presence of the Lord. Amen. And uh, whenever uh, we get everything worked out of this sound system, it's going to be the quality is already 10 times better than what we had and a lot clearer. And I want to thank the Lord for everything, amen, that he does for us and uh, for giving us uh, uh, this good system, amen. So we want to thank God for all he's doing around the church. Revelation chapter number two tonight, for the next few moments we'll read and have a word of prayer and then you can be seated and we'll not preach very long tonight, just preach what God has laid upon our heart. Revelation two and verse number one. The Bible said unto the angel of the church of Ephesus, write these things, saith he, that holding the seven stars in his right hand, who walketh in the midst of the seven golden candlesticks, I know thy works and thy labor and thy patience and how thou canst not bear them which are evil, and thou hast tried them which say they are apostles and are not, and hast found them liars, and hast borne and hast patience, and for my name's sake hast labored and hast not fainted. Nevertheless, I have somewhat against thee, because thou hast left thy first love. Remember therefore from whence thou art fallen and repent and do the first works or else I will come unto thee quickly and will remove thy candlestick out of his place except thou repent. But this thou hast that thou hatest the deeds of the Nicolaitans which I also hate. He that hath an ear let him hear what the Spirit saith unto the churches. To him that overcometh will I give to eat of the tree of life which is in the midst of the paradise of God. Father, I want to thank you tonight for the offering. Thank you Lord for your people Lord and for the faithfulness of their tonight. I preached a few or two a couple weeks ago, I think it was, uh, out of Revelation chapter number two, uh, dealing with the tragedy of from uh, being old fashioned, but without or the tragedy of being old fashioned without any passion. And really, in that message, I got the first point of that message and only preached half of the first verse of what we have read tonight. And so, preaching through the book of Revelations as the Lord would lead us to, I want to go back tonight and deal with the rest of this chapter, or rather, this passage concerning the church of Ephesus. And that's what I'm preaching on tonight is the church of Ephesus. Now, when you think about this church, as we mentioned before, it is seen in the book of uh, uh, Acts and it is seen in the book of Ephesians and it's seen again here in the book of Revelations. And we know that in the book of Acts that it was a very fiery church. In the book of Ephesus, it was a very uh, fruitful church. And now, in Revelation chapter number two, we see that it is a fallen church. How that here is a church that went from being old-fashioned to a church now that has lost its passion. You know, that is so easy. It could happen to our church tonight as well. I thank God for his blessings upon our church and I thank God for the presence of the Lord upon this church. But uh, listen, everything is not forever, amen? And my friend, listen, the only one that's able to keep our church where it is at, it's not the pastor and it's not the people, but it is the presence of God, amen? And we looked at one of the things here in this text was the components of the church, amen? In verse number one, we see the components of the church that a church is made up of a pastor he said unto the angel and then it's made up of a place or a people should I say of the church and that's the people and then it's made up of a place as he talked about Ephesus and we know that Ephesus was a literal place just like Bible Baptist in Rossville, Georgia is a literal, literal place these are literal churches in Revelation 2 and chapter number 3 also and so but then we see one of the 
the components of the church is the presence of God. He said, these things saith he, now notice this, that holdeth the seven stars in his right hand who walketh in the midst of the seven golden candlesticks. Now, when the Bible talks about him holding those seven stars in his right hand, if you go back to chapter one and verse number 20, he said the seven stars are the angels of the churches and the seven candlesticks which thou sawest are the seven churches. Amen? So this speaks of ownership tonight. Amen? You see, the church does not belong to me and the church does not belong to you, but we make up the church and we belong to him. Isn't that right? Brother, I'm telling you, there's a lot of churches tonight that like the power of God because they're family owned and family operated. Isn't that right? A lot of them are deacon run, amen? And I don't mean in leadership, but I'm talking about a friend in dictatorship. And we don't have that problem here, thank God. But I'm saying tonight that he owns the church. He holds the seven stars in his right hand. He walks in the midst of the seven golden candlesticks. He makes his presence known amongst the church, amen? It's pitiful the day that we live in. As Brother Hewitt said, you can go so many places today and They've got a, a nice building and they've got a good crowd, but they lack the number one component of the church, and that is the presence of the Lord. Amen. Brother, we need God's presence tonight, don't we? And preaching is no good without the presence of God. Singing is no good without the presence of God. A church service is just a service, but it's not a meeting without the presence of God. And he deals with the components of the church. But I want to move on tonight, and I want you to see here in verse number two, not only the components of the church, but then there's the compliments to this church. He's noticed what he said in verse number two. He said, I know, amen. He said, I know. I, I underline those first two words of, of verse number two because Jesus knew things about this church that this church did not even know about itself. And can I tell you tonight, the Lord knows more about Bible Baptist Church than what the pastor knows, than what the people knows. I, I'm glad he knows about his church, amen. You see, in following the leadership of God in making any decision, we must pray about it. We must seek the will of God because the church is his church and he is really the only one that knows what we're supposed to do. I have people ask sometimes not as much within the church but without the church people that know that we bought some property a while back I've had several preachers say well do you know what kind of church you're going to build and I say no I really don't know and some of them said man you need to get with it and try to, uh, you need to be thinking about that I said I don't know what we're going to do I said well we paid for our property and now we're going to pay to get it cleaned up they said well, what kind of building are you going to build I said I don't know that neither amen but he knows isn't that right and I'm so glad he knows knows. It takes all the pressure off of me and it takes all the pressure off of you. We're not going to try to figure anything out. Whatever God does, he'll guide and he'll provide and it'll be God's will in his own time. And isn't that right? He knows the church tonight. 
And he compliments this church about what he knows. Notice this. Uh, this is a church. This is an old-fashioned church. It, the church of Ephesus was. Uh, he, we notice here that he knows that this church had their deeds right. He said, I know thy works and thy labor. This was a busy church. This was a working church. This was a church that was active. And I think a church should be active. Isn't that right? They should have a soul-winning visitation program. A church should have an outreach ministries, nursing homes, jail ministries, uh, things of that nature as we do. A church should have a, a track rack that is used, amen, that's not a wall decoration. Somebody say amen. That means empty it out. We'll buy more tracks, amen, but empty it out. Put it in your car. Go out and give the gospel throughout the week. Uh, uh, sow the seeds of the word of God. That's important for a church to be busy, amen. And I think a church ought to have fellowships and functions too. The right kind. You know, it's amazing, one year, one year we didn't have any. And I'm going to tell you why. It seemed like people weren't interested. So we just didn't have none. And long about this time, that year, some folks come along and said, hey, preacher, why don't we have some fellowship? I said, well, just wait until y'all got interested. So we started having some fellowships again. And then when you start having fellowships, people always say, well, I, you know, I'm not really interested in the fellowships. I'm just interested in all the spiritual things. I don't believe that for one minute. I like it both, don't you? Go home and read Acts chapter number two. They liked it both too, amen. I think a church ought to, have, I think I know what is first, amen, and I know what is, is, is more priority, but I think a church ought to have fellowship. They ought to have functions. They ought to have the right kind, but a church ought to be busy. This was a working church. This was a laboring church. Too many churches today, they're lazy. They, they don't want to get out and knock on doors. They don't want to go out. They, they don't want to hold prayer meetings. They don't want to have revival meetings. They just want to have one service on Sunday and no church on Sunday night, no church on Wednesday night. Hey friend, listen, as I've said many times, it's not go to church less, it's go to church more, amen? And so much the more as you see the day approaching. I think we ought to be in church on Sunday night. I think we ought to be in church on Wednesday night. I think we ought to go to church Monday night and Tuesday night and Thursday night and Friday night. Hey listen, we just need church, isn't that right? And a church ought to be laid. And they had their deeds right. They had their discipleship right. He said that he knew their works, their labor, and their patience. You know, when you win people to God, it takes patience. You can't expect somebody to get saved and start acting and dressing and living and walking and talking like the rest of us. There's got to be a, a growth process. I, I don't think it takes a decade, amen, and they've got to be taught and they've got to be, they've got to be helped along life's way. But don't you think, God, that when you got saved, some Christians were patient with you and patient with me and they allowed us to grow and they looked over our ignorance, amen, and we're still ignorant to an extent. But I want to say tonight, listen, it takes patience. When you win people to God, they're not going to do things like, like that we do. But it takes time for them to grow because when a baby is born, that baby's not, listen, when a baby's born, they don't just get up out of the bassinet and start walking around, amen. I mean, they don't do that, do they? They can't do anything. I mean, listen, the only, they, only thing they got on their minds is eating, amen. And they don't even know how to do that till you teach them. I'm saying tonight, there is a growth process. There takes, they have their discipleship right. I think a church ought to have a discipleship program, amen? You know what that is? It's called Sunday school. Somebody say amen. 
and it's called Wednesday night and it's called Sunday morning and Sunday night and that's where they get in the word of God and they learn. Thank God for Sunday school. Somebody say amen about that. I think everybody should go to Sunday school and I think you ought to go on time for Sunday school and if you're a preacher, you really ought to go to Sunday school. Isn't that right? You ought to be faithful. Amen. You say I don't get anything out. That's because you don't put anything in. Isn't that right? But I'm telling you, friend, they had their deeds right. They had their discipleship right. And then notice this, they had their distance right. He said, how thou canst not bear them which are evil. Did you notice that this is a church that had separated from the world and could not bear them which are evil? And I'm telling you, friend, we don't need to let our church get worldly. Somebody say amen. I really didn't preach much on that this morning. I was going to and just stopped. Uh, you know, some people look like they had all they could take. You don't have to dump the whole load on everybody in one service, isn't that right? But you know what? We can't afford to let the world come in our church. And do you know the world wants in this church tonight? The world wants in our choir loft. They want in our songs. The, wor the world wants in our pulpit. They want in our Sunday school program. Hey, the world wants, listen, that's why we've got to keep our standards up. Isn't that right? Now, we don't pride ourselves in those things, but they are important. They're boundaries, amen? It's what keeps a church where it needs to be at. When we have a function like we've got coming up, guess what? We dress at the function just like we do on Wednesday night. Now, that's weird to some people, but it's all about keeping a standard, amen? It's all about keeping things right. You say, why, preacher? Because if you let it go, guess what? It'll go crazy on you and you won't have any standards anywhere. And friend, there's nothing wrong with having a standard. Isn't that right? I believe it's true and I believe it's right. And sometimes people will not stay at your church because they don't like those standards. Now, we're not Pharisees about that tonight. We don't look down upon people, but we're not changing. Amen. Brother, I'm telling you tonight, there's some things that are not open for debate tonight. They're not open for discussion. And you say, well, I would like to understand why. I'd be glad to sit down and take a Bible and talk with you on why we do those things. But I, I've seen churches, when they start compromising, when they start giving in, amen, when they start letting the crowd dictate uh, what is decided, that's not leadership, amen, that's confusion. And this is a church that has separated itself from the world. I think when you go to church, you ought to look like you're going to church, amen. When some people, listen, I've been some places you couldn't tell if they was going to church or a ball game, amen. I mean, some people look like they were going to the circus. I mean, they just show up and they, listen, they, they're not dressed for the house of God. If you come from word, that doesn't make bother me. If you have to come in and you're, and you're work clothes, I commend you for coming to church, amen, but don't roll out of the bed on Sunday morning and come dragging into church with an old dirty t-shirt on and a pair of tennis shoes, get up and fix your hair and listen, dress yourself and look like you're going to church, invest a little bit because you're going to the house of God and a preacher ought to wear a tie when he gets behind the pulpit and he ought to have a, a shirt and tie on and he ought to look like a man of God and people ought to be dressed for church, uh, we're living in a society when everybody says, oh, none of that stuff matters uh, and everybody wants to dress down. No, listen, we need to dress up for church, amen? Now, I'm not dressing up for somebody to look at me because I buy all my clothes on sale. Somebody say amen. I don't wear the name brand stuff. Wished I could, but no, I don't. I really don't because I'm not so crazy. I'm not paying $80 for a dress shirt. Now, if you pay that much for a dress shirt, you ought to sue your brain for non-support, Amen? 
Brother, you got a relaxed brain if you pay that much for it. Listen, I'm not, I'm not buying a $300 pair of shoes. I'll just buy a $50 pair of shoes. You say, why? Because if I skin and scuff a $50 pair of shoes, I'm not going to sweat it. If I scuff a $300 pair of shoes, friend, I'm going to have a massive heart attack. Isn't that right? And so it just pays to be cheap sometimes. I don't care if you buy your clothes at Walmart or wherever you buy them at, but you ought to come to church and they ought to be pressed and they ought to be ironed and you ought to look like you're going to the house of God, not a football game, amen? I'm telling you, friend, now I'm not preaching to the world tonight and I'm not preaching to sinners, but I'm telling you church members ought to know how to dress when it comes to the house of God, amen? You ought to look like a Christian. Boy, there's great debates. Even friends in the ministry have left it. Had a preacher friend that was a close friend. He's still a good friend of mine. I consider him a friend. He got into the no-tie business. And he said, if I come to your church and don't wear a tie, I said, you won't preach for me. You won't preach for me. Now, if one of these men comes from work on a Wednesday night and I call on you to preach and I've done that and you got a pole on, that doesn't bother me because I call on you to preach and you came in your work clothes. That's a different story. Amen. But we're not going that route. Somebody say amen. We're not bringing the fog machines in. We're not painting the ceiling. We're not getting weird lights in the church. Isn't that right? We're not having praise teams and we're not having dance teams. And I might put a big screen up so I can see words, amen. But I tell you, we're going to sing the red back songs. Isn't that right? We're going to still have the same old, same old, same old, same old, same old, amen. Because it's what's right, amen. I'm not against uh, uh, technology, but I tell you what I'm not for. I'm not for, listen, dumbing everything down and casualing everything up and coffee and donuts in the sanctuary, amen. Everybody's sitting around talking about, listen, some cool Jesus out of some, listen, some veneer, listen, some crazy Bible, amen. I'm talking about, friend, it ought to be a place of holiness. It ought to be a place of separation. It ought to be a place that when you cut, you reverence and you respect the house of God. I mean, you ought to reverence the property, amen. It's not my property, it's God's property. You ought to take good care of the house of God, Amen. I'm talking about we've got to be separated from this world. And you can do that and not have a bad attitude about it. You can do that and not think less of the world or think you're better than the world tonight. Behold the line. Here's a church that had their discipleship. They had their distance right. They had their doctrine right. Notice what he said. He said, thou hast tried them which say they are apostles and are not and hast found them liars. You have found out that they're liars. They're saying something that don't line up with the word of God. Do you know tonight, uh, we was discussing this this afternoon, that uh, I, th- I do think there's times to call names. Paul called names. But I also think there's times to just be silent and preach the truth. Amen. You know, there was, there's people tonight that, they should be called out because they're hirelings. Amen. They teach false doctrine. Then there are people tonight that they're not hirelings, but they're liberals. And to call their name brings greater division than if you'll just preach the truth. Truth prevails. Preaching the truth will open people's eyes. Brother, I'm telling you tonight, 
uh, listen, uh, preaching the word of God and just staying with the Bible line upon line, verse upon verse, listen, uh, precept upon precept, the more of the preaching that we hear and the more of the preaching that we know and that we learn, we will be able to determine. And I don't want to be in a church where the preacher has to get up and point every preacher out and every expose and go into the name calling business. You know what I'd rather be? I'd rather preach the, the truth to a congregation and them learn the Bible enough that they for themselves can discern and can say, hey, that's not right. That's not what the Bible says. I know better than that. I've been trained better than that. See, that's what we need. That's why we ought to pray for our Sunday school teachers and that's why we ought to back them up in Sunday school and let them know we appreciate their labor in the word of God. That's why we ought to stay with the preaching and amen the preachers when they preach uh, is because it's not the preacher and it's not the teacher but it's the word of God, amen, and this ought to mean something to us. Our doctrine has to be right, amen. Sometimes there are things that are great that you love to preach on and sometimes there's things that are hard to preach on but it needs to be preached, don't it? And I see here, here's a church that had their discipleship right. They had their doctrine right. Here's a church that had their discipline right. Look at verse number three. The Bible said they've borne, they've had patience for my namesake and have labored and has not fainted. Here's a church that had the right motive. They were, they have borne, they have had patience and for the, for the name of Christ, for his sake, they labored and they did not faint. In these days, they were getting their heads cut off. They were being fed to the wild beast. They were, in these days, they were, they were being tortured and tormented for their faith. And this church was, they had their discipline. They were, they were standing for what's right. You know, it didn't really cost as much to stand today. It may down the road, but it didn't cost as much to stand for what's right in America. To stand for truth. I, if you go on the job tomorrow and they make fun of you because you're an old-fashioned Baptist, just stand. Because all they're going to do is talk about you. They're not going to torment you. They're not going to torture you. You're not going to be burned at the stake tomorrow at work because you stood for what was right. They're just going to call you names. Well, well that's no big deal. Is that right? Your family may scoff you and mock you, but there's no sacrifice in that. Just stand tall and stand for what's right and don't back down and don't apologize and don't water down where you stand for and for what you stand for. I remember years ago hearing a preacher, uh, he sent his, his daughter to public school and his daughter would wear a dress to public school every day and as she would go to public school, they, they would make fun of her and they would call her granny uh, because, she wore, uh, because she wore a dress every day to, to school and the kids would, well, they would call her Granny Baloo because uh, of that dress and she kept wearing that dress and she would come home and she would cry to her dead mom and say they're calling me Granny Blue, Granny Blue but one day a tornado was coming to, uh, through that area there and they put all the kids down in the hallway and set them down and them put their heads between their, their legs and, and told them to, ju uh, to just all bow their heads and wait the storm out. Some of those kids were scared and some of those very kids that had called her Granny Blue that spoke up to one of the teachers and said uh, uh, teacher would it be alright if Granny Blue leads us in prayer and praise for God to take care of us. I'm going to tell you something, friend, the world may make fun of you, but the world will take note that what you've got is real and it's worth standing for what's right. Don't back up. Don't compromise. Don't give in to this worldly crowd. Stay for what's right. Hallelujah. 
God will bless you for that. He'll bless you for being faithful, won't he? And here's a church that had their discipline, right? He compliments the church, but I close with this tonight. He criticizes the church. He says, nevertheless, he said, you've got everything right. He said, but I have somewhat against thee in verse four, because thou hast left thy first love. You know, it's possible tonight to go to a good church, know your King James Bible, be busy, active, working in your church, and lose your passion. I think there's people here tonight probably would say that that's happened to you. And if you're not careful, the danger of you losing your passion is it could get you out of church one day. It could get you out of this church. You ought to stop and think about it tonight, how good God's been to you. And he gives them here the criticism, but then he gives them a charge. He says in verse 5, remember, therefore, from whence thou art fallen, repent and do the first works, or else I'll come unto thee quickly, and will remove thy candlestick out of his place, except thou repent. The charge is to remember to repent and to repeat. Go back to where you started at. I want to say tonight, when you think about this text, you think about the church of Ephesus, preaching through the, this book tonight, the first thing he deals with is a church that had everything right on the outside, but they had lost heart. Don't let that happen to you tonight. I've watched people come to this church, and you have too. And when they first walk through the doors, this is the greatest thing in the world to them. And if they're not careful in a few years, they lose that zeal. They, use that, they lose that thirst, that hunger. If you're not careful, you'll look around and you'll say, what's wrong with my church? And in reality, it's not the church. It's you. Bible Baptist just isn't what it used to be. The choir just isn't what it used to be. The preaching just isn't what it used to be. Before long, you'll listen to the devil and he'll say, well, they don't really love you out there anyway. They're not calling you every week. You know, I, I don't stop and say this. Thank God we don't, we don't have a church full of babies. Somebody say amen. Brother, we're not running a daycare around here. Isn't that right? Amen. Brother, I'm telling you, listen, thank, I, I think the church shows love and, and I think the church shows compassion, but you know what? People get busy sometimes. People forget sometimes. They're human. Can I get an amen right there? I'm not just talking about me. I'm talking about you. But thank God for a church. You know, what? I, when I think about this church, this is what I think of. It's a place to come and worship together. It's a place to come and hear the word of God preached. Boy, I'm thankful for a place to come where you can still step back and, and you can still get help and you can feel God's presence moving and working. Boy, I, we need that more than anything tonight. And the charge and then there's the corruption. Notice what he says in verse number five. He said, or else... I will come unto thee quickly and remove thy candlestick from out of his place except thou repent. You know tonight that when a church loses its passion, here's the danger. This is what happens to a church. When a church loses that fire and that passion, here's what happens. They become mechanical. And after they become mechanical, you know what happens? They begin to lose that zeal. They begin to go through the motions. And there's the danger of apostasy coming in the door of that church. See, when you don't have the presence and power of God, you've got to supplement it with something else. You've got to bring things in to keep the attention of people. 
you got to do something to keep the crowd where it needs to be at. And that mechanicalism, what happened is it brings in things. We start breaking down barriers and walls and we start letting things come in that we wouldn't normally let come in. And that's the road that leads to apostasy. How many churches tonight have we rode past and said, you know what, I remember that church when it was old-fashioned. Oh, I remember when they had an old-time letter alone preacher. Man, I remember when you'd go there and boy, they'd have revival meetings and people would shout the house down and people, I mean, there was fire in that church. Well, I don't ever want that to happen here to you. Old-fashioned but losing your passion. Nevertheless, I have somewhat against thee. Thou hast left thy first love. What about it tonight? Is the fire still burning in your heart tonight as we stand? Give a verse of imitation tonight if you need to come, if the Holy Spirit speaks to you. Don't lose your fire tonight. Don't lose your passion. Keep the main thing, the main thing in your life. Amen. Stay hungry. Keep a prayer life. Keep a personal walk with God. Brother Josh Smith blessed the whole prayer room tonight when he talked about his prayer life. And he wasn't talk, elevating himself, but he was just talking about how God's met with him through that little directory and praying. Well, that just fired everybody up, didn't it? Just because one person got a little bit closer to God. I wonder what would happen tonight if others of us that need to move up. Young people, keep your fire. Don't get used to this. While Brother Brian sings tonight,